Agents Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Follow a Boss. Follow a Boss is the real estate CRM that turns every agent into a top performer. Follow a Boss is packed with features, but it's intuitive and easy to use. So agents love working with it and it integrates with everything. Use multiple lead sources. Guess what? Follow a Boss keeps them all organized. Want to try new marketing channels? Switch website providers? Plug them right into Follow Up Boss. Visit followupboss.com forward slash lab code to see how Follow Up Boss helps you close more deals. That's followupboss.com forward slash lab code. Over a hundred million dollars worth of sales in 2021. Top 1% of agents in the country. One of these guests was featured on NARS 30 under 30 list. The other probably 20 under 20, if I had to guess. And both philanthropists, if that was your resume, how would your real estate life look right about now? I think pretty damn good. And we're going to talk about that today with our guests, Sarah Nauer and Victoria Velasquez out of Los Angeles, correct? Yeah. Awesome. Welcome to the show, ladies. I'm excited for this. We've never met. We've been talking for the last five minutes. So that's all I've gotten. <laughs> so you're going to get all of the questions that I would have as, as if we just met. So let's start here with both of you. And I'm going to start with the elder, Victoria. To say, <laughs> tell me about yourself. Tell me how you got in the business. Just tell us your story and then pass it over to Sarah when you're done. Yeah. Okay. So quick version. I grew up in Mexico City. My mom's American. My family eventually moved to the U.S. And then I ended up coming out to California for college, which is how I ended up here. Absolutely love L.A. I was in totally different industries and had a really winding career path, actually, where I kept pursuing new things. I always really wanted to do something I was super passionate about, was always very ambitious, but always wanted to feel very connected to my work. And I just was trying different things, trying to make that work, and it just wasn't happening. And the most recent, I was kind of in the tech e-commerce space and I had some big life things happen. My sister got diagnosed with cancer and it really made me reevaluate where I was in my life. And I was like, something's got to change like immediately. Like life is too short. I want to love what I do. I want to like my life to look different essentially. So real estate had always been in my sphere in different ways and I had always kind of thought about doing it and for different reasons I hadn't pursued it, but I think I finally was like, it's time. I wanted independence. I wanted no ceiling. I wanted to just kind of take something and run with it. I always felt like it was a career where you really got rewarded for the effort you put into it. And that was very appealing to me because I had been in businesses that were almost like startup based where you put in a ton of effort and they may or may not pay off. And I was ready for payoff like now. So I just one day made the decision and I started getting my license and I went for it and I've been in it ever since that was like five years ago. I was just going to ask you what year you got into the business. So about 2017 ish. Yeah. Wow. 2018, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And what, so what industry did you immediately come from? I was working for a men's fashion brand, but I was working on their tech side. So I had worked for a few startups. So I was doing the role that I had been doing then for a fashion brand. So it was really fun. It was super dynamic. It was a super cool brand, but I knew it wasn't my end all be all, but I always loved opportunities where I could grow. And I definitely grew there. 
Very awesome. And so when you decided to make that move into real estate, what was, you know, did you know somebody? Uh, did you, how did you choose where you went? Like, what were some of those decisions? Uh, or, you know, what, what was it that, that kind of led you into it? And how did you decide where to go? Yeah, no, at the time, I mean, I, like I had said, I had different people throughout my life. I actually ended up majoring in real estate finance, but was more on the finance slash commercial side than residential. And then I had different people in my life who had been residential agents who had been developers. But really, when I decided to get into it, I didn't really know anyone. And I didn't have a big network in LA. And that was actually something that was very intimidating to me. But I was like, I'm going to go for it. I interviewed like eight brokerages. <laughs> I, I like put them through the ringer. I was very intentional about what I wanted to do because I felt like I was later on starting. You know, I had already had other careers. So I was like, I don't have time to be inefficient. Like I need to get this going and go fast. So I like really was very intentional. So I interviewed all these people kind of looked to see who was going to be the best fit and give me the best guidance. Cause I knew if I had the right tools, I could make it happen. And I found a great brokerage and the manager was awesome, which is why I chose him. But I quickly realized that being by myself was going to be really tough. And I had gone into this business to be independent. So I was very resistant to joining a team or being an assistant at that point. But ultimately, within a couple of weeks, I was like, wow, I really need more than I have just as an independent agent at a broker, at a, a brokerage, I mean. And so then I got serendipitously connected to one of, a good friend of mine now at the time. I didn't know her who was on the escrow side. And she actually told me about an amazing team that was looking for people. Sarah was one of the people on that team. And she told me about Sarah and how she had built this amazing career and was this like super incredible young woman. And so I went and met with the team leader and the rest is history. I quickly went over there and, and had been there ever since until Sarah and I recently made a move to go more, a little bit more independent. Awesome. I've got more questions, but I want to, I'm going to flip it over to Sarah to kind of now give her story and tell us about your upbringing in the business. And then we'll, uh, I'll start to grilling the both of you. So I'm born and raised here in LA, grew up in the San Fernando Valley and out in Leslie Village. I went to college at Pepperdine and I got my license my senior year there. My boyfriend at the time wanted to get his and I just thought that that would be a great project to do together and immediately fell in love with it. When I was teaching piano lessons, actually, that's how I supported myself through high school and college and for a few months after college. And then I decided I really wanted real estate to be more of a career. And so I actually just went through the, there's a list, um, the Wall Street Journal list that comes out every year of all the top agents in the country. And I just reached out to every single agent or team that was in LA that had been on that list for the last couple of years. And that's how I found this agent that ended up starting the team that Victoria joined a few years later. So I was his assistant for about 18 months, which was perfect because I was 21, 22. I needed a, you know, a steady income plus some opportunity to earn commission. And I learned so much. I was basically doing everything that an agent does, but, you know, as his assistant. So I got to meet all the agents that are on the west side of LA doing a lot of business, got to learn how the whole process works and build up a lot of credibility so that as he grew the team and I transitioned into doing my own sales, even at you know, 24, 25, I was very comfortable and confident doing so. Um, and yeah, so I was there for seven and a half years or so. And then 
in May, we moved to the agency. Awesome. So you uh, mentioned Westlake and Pepperdine. Have you ever met Tristan Aumata before? I don't think so. So Tristan, the founder of LabCode Agents. So yeah, he lives, he's, he's in that area and Malibu is his kind of jam. So uh, okay, uh, that, is a, that is a uh, slightly beautiful area there. Yeah. Is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I drove by that university once and I was like, are you kidding me? Like that, that's, that's the view that you get when you walk outside of class. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's incredible. That is awesome. Okay, so I got a question for both of you, and I'll let you decide who answers first. Maybe I'll flip it back to Victoria. So, you know, you both kind of talked about kind of your journey in the beginning. And so I think this episode is going to go down that path because I think there's a lot of people listening right now that either A, are still relatively new to the business, B, might have gotten into the business and made wrong decisions about who they joined and why they joined. And you both had some interesting, you know, kind of stories about how you got in the business. Sarah, I love that you just said, you know what, I'm just going to pick up the top 100 list and just call them. And, and, and I love that. Victoria, I want to go back to you. You interviewed eight brokerages when you got into the business. What was it that made that one win? He seems like a different kind of agent. I think part of the reason why I was always resistant to being a sales agent was because I had this idea of what that was. And it was sleazy. It was grimy. It was not positive. Right. And so when I decided I was going to like put that aside because it was a limiting belief and story I told myself and I was going to be a different kind of agent. I was like, I want to surround myself with people that are like that, who are like really knowledgeable, who are who are advisors and like highly trusted, knowledgeable advisors to their clients. And this this managing broker was a real estate attorney turned agent. He just, he had gone, I went to USC, he went to UCLA. Like, I just really respected him. You know, he was totally the opposite. He's super soft-spoken. And he has since become an agent who works in the market. We work and he's amazing and we see him all the time. And he's he's the classiest guy. And I just, that, I was like, this is the type of agent I would want to be. And so that's how I chose it. So where did you form that grimy opinion of real estate agents? That's a really good question. I don't know. I think it's probably, you know, maybe what you hear at home, what you hear in the media, things just throughout life. Because I knew a lot of really amazing agents too, but I think they're, I don't know, probably something I'd heard at home at some point. And my parents love that I'm in this business now, by the way. So even better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I'm just curious where, where yeah. your thought process is. People, I see it all the time still. So it's not like it, I get where it comes from and it just bums me out. And I think those of us that aren't that way have to work harder to overcompensate for the people that are, but it is what it is. Totally. Totally. So same kind of question back to you, Sarah, obviously not, not exact same question, but you know, what was, what would you say was the biggest deciding factor for you in choosing where you went? It, to me, it seemed like a really good culture fit. So I, it was in a, a wealthy part of town, Pacific Palisades, West side of LA, which was definitely something that was important to me. I wanted to be around expensive homes, but the community itself and the two people at the time that I was working with just seemed like it felt like a good fit. I met with agents in Beverly, with agents in Beverly Hills, but it was not my style, not the right fit. And the Palisades, the two people that I was working with, it just felt really good and that it was going to be a place I related to that I would have a future in and would learn a lot. 
I love it. And so now looking back for both of you, so Victoria, you're five years. Sarah, how long did you say you've been in the business? Almost nine now. Almost nine. Awesome. So you're both, you know, I would say mid-veteran at this point. And so in looking back, what would you say if somebody came to you and they're brand new to the business based on your experience, what would you tell them are the top two things that they should be looking for in a brokerage? Now, keeping in mind that everybody's going to be different, right? Everybody might want a different level of grimy versus classy and, and, and um, you know, culture versus they don't care because they're going to be independent, right? So what would the advice that you would give? Let's start with you, Victoria. That, that And um, you might have the same answer and just tell me if you do, but if you have different answers, Sarah, please well, chime well, in. They're probably going to be very similar. They're going to be very similar. Well, we actually talk about this a lot because people approach us a lot with that question. And we actually are launching a digital course to help answer that question. So it's definitely top of mind for us, but I would say, Number one, look at somewhere, like Sarah just said, where you, you can have longevity. I think we are really big on choose a neighborhood and choose an area. LA is a huge market, right? And if you try to cover all of LA in the beginning, you're not gonna do anything well. It's sort of like, you're just a generalist. You're not gonna become an expert. And I think that's really important. So choosing a really specific honed in neighborhood that fits your vibe is gonna be really, really powerful. And to this day, we still see how much that can help snowball your business for many reasons that we won't get into. But the second I would say is knowledge over money. Like it's so easy and I know it very well because I quit a paying job to go commission only, you know, when in my late twenties, when I really wanted to be making money and it's so easy to be like, I just need to close a deal. I just need to do this, but sacrificing a split or whatever to get on a team or to work with someone who is more experienced than you, who's going to teach you and mentor you is invaluable. Like you will accelerate the rate of growth of your career so much. Yes. You can do it on your own. Yes. You will, you will give more money away, but it is so worth it. We can't emphasize that enough. Mm -hmm. So, and that's a, that's a great comment. So less, less is more. And that tends to be the case with everything, but as it relates to, I want to ask you a follow-up questions to both as it relates to that knowledge and, and, and finding a mentor. I mean, how do you weed that out? Because, you know, and, 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 and I can speak to this, you know, we interview, we have a massive team on the, in the mortgage business and we've interviewed thousands of people literally over the years and it's never fails most often almost everybody interviews really well. And this is kind of a reverse interview where you're interviewing somebody and they're telling you how great they're going to be. And you know how this is. I mean, it's, it is kind of slimy because you don't know who the genuine people are versus the recruiters. Right. And mm -hmm. so how would you advise someone to kind of weed through and, and find somebody who legitimately is going to be a good mentor, not somebody that's just going to say what you, that you, what you want to hear to get you in the door. Yeah. Do you want me to do my uh, I'll start with a couple things. And then, sure. uh, so if you are work, if you're interviewing somebody that has a team, we always recommend interview somebody that's newer on the team and somebody that's more of a veteran on the team. So you can get a sense of how has their growth been on the team. And also for somebody that's new coming in, does that mentor person still have time and are they still kind of committing and giving back to the, the, the team? And also to just like go go to their open houses, spend some time in the neighborhood that they are in and see how that team acts in real life, kind of, and not just on the interview. 
Victoria, you want to add to it? Yeah, and I would say, I think like the person who I met the team leader through was an escrow person. So they have, they were someone else in the business who had inter interacted with them, but weren't involved. So she had a really good perspective on how this person handled themselves, how much business they actually did. Like our business can be very smoke and mirrors, try to get real numbers from someone. The Wall Street journalist that Sarah mentioned is super valuable. I had actually looked at that as well. I knew I only wanted to be with a top person because I wanted to be a top person. So try to mimic someone whose career you want, right? If someone is building a career that you're like, that's not really what I want to be in 10, five years, whatever, then that's probably not who you should be working with. Any any uh, other tactics other than I like what you said, Sarah, too. I mean, it, it's it's about doing some homework and not just yeah. sitting down, having a conversation in an office and then making a decision. It's it's going a little deeper. Is there anything else that you would add to that? I mean, is it is it a matter of, you know, was it important to stalk them on social media and see how they carry themselves oh, yeah. with their branding, with their marketing, see if they're a family person, see how they post is, you know, what other things would you recommend somebody do as they're doing research behind the scenes rather than just just, you know, taking their word for it. Of course, absolutely. Look on their social media, see if you again kind of get a vibe and relate to them. Remember though, that a lot of that can be smoke and mirrors. So if it looks like they're in these beautiful fancy houses all the time, but they're, when you check their sales don't line up to that, that's okay. Just make sure it's something that you are aware of. And I think asking, Again, talking to other team members is important and asking the agent to maybe where their business comes from, how much overflow business do they truly have? If that's a, something that you're trying to get, how much, what are their activities that they're doing every day? Do they have an assistant that's already handling everything for them and they're not actually in the weeds at all? How often can you shadow them? And just getting a lot of questions about how much time you can spend around them. How often do they come into the office? Especially now, that's really important. We've heard from several different new members on teams or assistants to people that one of their biggest challenges with whoever they just started working for, especially in real estate, was that that person was now no longer in the office and they had no sense of direction as to what to do. And they're missing those conversations where you're just overhearing how somebody is talking to their client on the phone. And that's that's what you that's really what you want, because then you can emulate that conversation the next time they're talking to your client. So that I think is actually a really good question to ask now, too. That's I always also want to know, like, why do you do this business? Like, who, what makes you who you are? Try to get to know them as a person and really like dig down. Is this someone who you would want to spend time with? Is this someone who you would feel proud to like introduce to clients that you care deeply about? Because that's how what what happens eventually. Mm -hmm. And see, like, is this someone who I want to like really trust and think is a good person? I love it. I love it. And I think that uh, I think that gives anybody who's on that side of the game or knows somebody that wants to get into the business, you know, a, a great kind of kind of cornerstone about of, of a strategy and what you should be doing. And and I'm, we're also not just talking to new agents here. We're talking to anybody who wants to grow a team, anybody who has a brokerage, uh, managing broker, those sort, those sorts of positions. Like these are the things you need to be thinking about as you're attracting agents as well and talking to these agents and how do you represent yourself? So it's not just a matter if you're a smooth talker behind the desk, you know, how are you displaying yourself? Because this is what agents should be doing or prospective agents should be doing. I, I love all of that. And I want to get back to the digital course, uh, but we're going to do that later because I want to keep this moving along. And so, you know, I, I mentioned in the intro, you know, you, your guys' success, where you've gone. And in 2021, you had a massive year, 
Uh, you're you're listed in the top one percent of agents in the country. You know, and and you're doing big things. You're doing philanthropy now, right? You're you guys are you guys are obviously doing some big things. That you know, not everybody, and very few actually will achieve that level of success. So. What is your secret sauce? What is it that you guys feel like has really helped catapult you to where you are? What does that look like? What what was kind of the stair step that got you to where you are? There's probably a few different things, but I think for me, at least the overarching theme is, and we kind of touched on earlier, but really building that long-term game and knowing I'm going to commit to this area, commit to this clientele. And it snowballs quicker than you think. So the somebody that you maybe met at an open house, you know, one year, four years ago, I remember I, you know, always stayed in touch, stayed in the neighborhood, sold them a new house and double-ended their the house that they lived in. And things like that are huge. And it just took that one sitting at that one open house, meeting that one client and being super friendly to them or that one neighbor even, and just being really nice every time they call to check and see how the house the sale of the house across the street was going. Things like that are major. Um, and I think just showing your clients and your sphere of influence, your family, your friends, that this is what you do and you're mm -hmm. here for the long haul and you're there for them. And you're not just pushy trying to get them to buy or sell a house today. It could be in five years from now and you're going to be just as committed the whole process through. What, what does that mean before you, before you chime in, Victoria? What does that mean to show them what you do? that you are this neighborhood expert. You're part of the community. You are, you know, sponsoring the baseball games maybe, or you are part of the, I was part of the local chamber of commerce and I was hosting things all the time. I was around. I was every time they went to lunch somewhere, you, I might bump into people or at a club or a restaurant or a hiking trail, whatever it might be, you're really involved and ingrained in the community. And it's a very long-term commitment. They can see that you're making an investment in the lifestyle that you are then kind of selling to people later on, if that makes sense. So are you displaying that on social, for example, or are you just bumping into people on the trail and saying, here's my card, I'm in real estate? It's a combination. I mean, right? I know you're not really doing yeah, that. I'm just teasing on that you're one. You're seeing somebody hiking that you... You met one time at the beach club that you belong to, or that you saw at an open house, and then you see them at the grocery store, and you're like, Oh my goodness, I know you because we just ran into each other, or at a fundraiser, and then they come into your open house, and you remember, Oh, I just saw you at this fundraiser. It's a combination. You're in this world now, and it's beautiful because everything you do can come back to grow your business, and it's things that you naturally, genuinely like already. And it's just a snowball effect. They feed off of each other. So, if I can summarize what you just said, it's not keeping what you do a secret and being very social and being active in the community, which I think is important for people to understand. If you want to be a successful real estate agent, you cannot be an introvert. I mean, you can, but you're going to have a disadvantage to the extroverts who are like Sarah, who are out there bumping into everyone almost intentionally as a strategy to keep herself top of mind, right? Absolutely. Love it. Victoria, what do you have to add to that? I will say for me, I think I just always tried to be the absolute best at what I was doing in that moment. And I think specifically what it, when it relates to real estate, I think I went 
so I would go so above and beyond in the beginning. I didn't have a ton of clients. So I was like, I'm just going to do anything and everything I can think of to like execute for these clients, whether it was finding them a house. I built a big like off market business early in my career because the, I had a very few clients and they didn't, there weren't homes for them. So I was like, I need to find it. Like, I don't have other people. So I might as well like go all in on these people while I'm slowly accumulating new clients. And I was able to really perform for some amazing clients who then introduced me to their friends and referred me. And because I kind of blew them out of the water and that built a really amazing business for me. And so I think just not being afraid to be like, let me just make this the most incredible experience I possibly can for you in every single way. I'm obsessed with customer service. I've had other ventures in it. And I think I'm a very critical customer. So I always think like, what would I want if I had a real estate agent? And I would be a really tough client. So I go like above and beyond. And I think people really will respect you. Not everyone will value it, but the ones that will are going to be like so impressed. And we all want a referral-based business, you know? Mm -hmm. Is there anything specifically that you would cite that maybe just a general agent isn't thinking about as it relates to customer service? I mean, is it is it is it just as simple as accessibility and and the, the you know, the cliche going above and beyond? But what does that really mean? And what would you say is the differentiating factor for you uh, that might be uh, that might be overarching from from your, com your competition? Yeah, I think I always try to anticipate needs. I think that's something that people don't think about. It's like, okay, if a client, if I'm sharing this information with a client, whether you're in escrow or it's about a property, think two steps ahead. Think about what's their next question they're going to ask you, right? They're going to have a follow-up most likely. Try to answer that in that answer. And if you don't know the answer, get the answer. In the beginning, I would always, I spent so much time with lenders, escrow, title, just being like, they would say, I need this X, Y, and Z from you, or you need to do this. And I'd be like, explain that to me because I don't know what that is. I would make sure that I fully understood it. So when I went back to communicate to the client, I would say, this is what's going to happen and walk them through it. I would always assume that my clients are super busy. They don't have time and they have no knowledge. How can I make this as perfectly easy for them and clear for them so that they understand pros and cons and, and can make a decision along the way. I really just tried to like streamlined experience for them. How did you, uh, how did you guys uh, originate business in the beginning as, as you were kind of building up your business and, and, and actually this will be a two part question. How did you do it in the beginning versus how you're doing it now? Open houses was probably our biggest yeah. source of business at the beginning. We were on a team that had a lot of listings. We could sit an open house every Saturday and every Sunday if we wanted to. And again, these were probably $4 million to $10 million homes that we were getting to sit open. So anyone who came in was a great potential client, even if it was the neighbor. And that really snowballed, I would say, mostly at the beginning. Yeah. And I think that's why we're such big proponents of working for someone who has some business because you will be able to build a bigger business quicker. So it's funny because yeah, open houses, what we could do around open houses, finding, you know, when you do pick up a good buyer, how can you find them other properties, whether it's like different off-market strategies that we use a lot. And we obviously during COVID, we didn't have open houses. So we had to pivot our strategy and we did dramatically. And then recently in the last six months to a year, we re-pivoted it back 
And we're doing a lot of the things. We literally went back to the basics, the things that built our career. And it's amazing because they 100% still work at this stage in our career. Mm -hmm. So it's incredible. So so then fast forwarding to where you are now, are you still going to and doing open houses or what? what is your business? How different does it look now? We're 100% doing open houses. Well, our conversion rate is just way better because now when we do an open house, we clients will come in that we already know. We've sold the house next door to them. Like it just, it gets better, but it's still the same activities. And I think this business is not, it's hard, but it's not complicated, right? Like you can just do the same things and just do them better and better and better as you become more experienced and it will pay off. But we're still doing literally the same things that we were doing in the beginning of our career. Fascinating. Now, when you say working open houses, are we talking about working other people's listings or are they, I mean, cause in the beginning, I'm sure that was the case. Yeah. Uh, is that still the case today? Sometimes. Mostly we have our own listings that we will sit open, but we do work with other people that we can sit as open houses too. Yeah. And when we do other people's open houses, we're strategic about it. It's because we're trying to elevate our business. So they're typically higher price point deals, things that maybe we can't access on our own yet. We're always trying to grow, right? So we are now we're at a higher level. It's like, how can we get to the next level? And that's how, when we do things like that, it's for that reason. Are you so first of all, that's fascinating because I think there's a lot of agents that have this stigma that say, well, once I get some experience, I'm not doing that anymore. Like that's what the rookie does. Right. And you yeah. guys are saying, uh, like that. I mean, and you, you heard what I said in the beginning for everybody listening over a hundred million dollars worth of sales in 2021, top 1% in the country, and they're still doing open houses. So let me ask you this, because I interview a lot of really cool people doing a lot of really cool things. And so as it relates to open houses, is there any anything specific that you would say is works better than just sitting there and making friends with people coming in? Is there anything else that you're doing in addition to just the basic concept of, of working an open house? Yeah, we're very intentional about our open houses. We've actually done like seminars on them because they're such a big part of our business. But like I said, if you're going to be sitting there and spending time on a Sunday, like we all want our weekends off. I get it. Like I would love to not have to sit in an open house on a Sunday. So if I'm going to be there, we're going to make it worthwhile, right? We like to do it together because that makes it, you know, way more fun, way better. If one of us doesn't connect with the client, the other one will. So just our outcome is better, but we come there, we have other options for the client. We know the neighborhood. We know everything about the house. We have comps. We try to sit them in the neighborhoods where we are experts so that, again, we already kind of know what's going on and people see right away that you know what you're talking about and they're blown away. You have other things. We, we beforehand, we door knock and we invite the neighbors to come by and we'll even sometimes post a the day before the first open house, we'll invite the neighbors for coffee and it will kind of kill two birds with one stone, get a lot of that heavy traffic maybe out of the way the day before. So it doesn't interfere with you connecting maybe with a great client when the neighbors come by. They also give you a lot of information. They might invite you to come see their house. They might tell you who just bought a home off the street. You get a lot of good insight from them and you also learn the neighborhood even better, I would say. And then yeah, just really remembering everyone who comes in is potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of income and to treat people with you know respect and to be really grateful that you are getting to sit this beautiful open house and there are thousands of agents that would kill to be in your position sitting that open house today. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I remember this is your Sunday. This is your 
beautiful three, four hours on the weekend. And to just, even if you just realize I'm going to meet some new neighbors and they're going to be nice people, walk away with that and don't be sitting on your phone watching, you know, Instagram for the whole day. Yeah. Well, first of all, if you got into the business and you want your weekends off, you got into the wrong business. You yeah. signed up for this. So uh, I don't feel sorry for anybody who says that. And now, now, so now be honest with me. Like when you're sitting there at a dead open house, are you guys like creating TikToks and stuff? I mean, come on. Yeah, of we, course. We try to be, have something to do that is productive, but also not so, not so, you know, uh, important that you're then not paying attention to people that do come in. So maybe we'll have letters that we wanted to write, or of course, we're definitely working on upping our social media games. So we will try to do, you know, a post or something that we're at the open house or, Maybe it's a, you know, a comp email that we had to send somebody that wasn't time, you know, time sensitive, but we had to get it done, make the best use of your time, or even if it's a crossword puzzle or a book, so you're not doing nothing if that's helpful. I, I like it. I like it. I, I will tell you this too. And, and and I've interviewed some agents that are that are literally making their business out of doing this. And that is using those listings. So you guys have an advantage uh, over some of our listeners. I'm in St. Louis. I don't have a lot of luxury homes like you guys do in LA, but every time you go into a nice house, I mean, and you guys, and we're going to, I want to talk about your team here in a second. And you've got some, some young people on your team that probably have those skills if you guys don't, but you just simply doing basic walkthrough videos where it's the speed up, you know, as you're walking to room to room, the, the sexy slow down into something really cool, speed up to the next room, sexy slow down. And you guys use that on your Instagram and your TikTok. You're going to create so many conversations with people if you start doing this consistently, because People love HGTV and now we want HGTV in 45 seconds. So don't give me that five minute, hey, I'm standing here in my new listing and come visit me today at my open house. Nobody wants that. They want fast with cool music, right? And yeah. um, if you guys aren't already doing that, you should absolutely do it. And anybody listening should do it. It's a very simple strategy and it works very, very well for some, a lot of agents that I've, that I've talked to. So let's talk about the team. So, you know, you, you've, you're doing a lot of business. Uh, you're obviously at a point of, of probably continuing to scale. What was that point when you decided to scale and hire team members and what did that look like and kind of where are you today? So, I mean, several years ago, our team leader, you know, probably said to me first, yeah, <laughs> Victoria had just started, but it was that Sarah, you need to get an assistant. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm 26 years old or something. I can't have an assistant. I, I just was an assistant. And so truly though, if you don't have an assistant, you are your own assistant. And it is absolutely, you know, life and career changing because you cannot accomplish everything by yourself. So I started with 20 hours a week, 20 bucks an hour, you know, then mowing, like get, start, just get used to delegating stuff, get used to having to pay somebody regularly. And it's amazing now what you become freed up to do. You can be, all of a sudden you can be in two places at once. I, even now we, we both have our own just completely full-time assistants and they, you know, work on weekends and evenings, whatever we need. But they, I had a, a few month period in between assistants and I was really, really slow. Within two weeks of hiring my new full-time assistant, I think I had five things in escrow because you just, you don't realize that you can't handle, you can't take on what you can't handle by yourself. And as soon as I got him on board, it, things just took off. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's been amazing. And I think for us too, it's, 
we we have both had a few assistants and it's it's really hard finding someone good is the hardest thing but when you find great people who are just such a good culture fit like the energy that we have amongst the four of us and we also have a separate virtual assistant that's amazing is we just have like I feel like we have so much fun. I, I'm a big proponent, which I did not do earlier in my career. Like working is what you're going to spend the most time doing for most of your life. Like enjoy it, right? Like people are going to pick up on that energy. You're going to do better. You need to have fun. And so having great people who you enjoy being around who are net positive for the business is so major. And we're so lucky we finally got that. So you both started with like TCs basically? We always had TCs yeah. that was always part of our business separately, but then we, we both had like kind of hourly people that would help us part-time and then we sh shared one person that was kind of like hourly. And then we got a more, a salaried person that we shared. And then we separated from that person separately. And then I got a full-time person. Didn't work out different. I mean, it's been a journey, sure. you know, Victoria's assistant. No, it was actually the, the woman that started with me originally. Yeah. And the had to, you know, full circle came back and now yeah. we just, you know, love her love my, they're both Australian. We have the best time. They, yeah. us up. they have great <laughs> accents. So we'll never hire anyone without yeah. an accent again. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the best advice. Only hire someone with an accent, but that's everyone loves an accent. So. I can't argue that. So what does it look like now? So, so first of all, you started with the, actually, you know, let me digress for a second. What was, you know, like, what would you say were, were two or three of the tasks that you found to be most important to delegate off your plate when you hired the assistant for the first time? Scheduling showings, scheduling inspections, attending inspections, yeah. writing drafting contracts i think other places are different but here in la we will do 10 to 15 inspections for a property mm -hmm. so the coordination of that all the showings everything is in person we don't use lock boxes we don't use supra so it's just a lot of managing schedules and a lot of people so getting that was major and then paperwork i think contracts mm -hmm. all the stuff that goes along with that just getting them to take that off our plate is so huge mm -hmm. Yeah, basically all the things that you either hate doing or you're not good at doing, that's what you need to hire yeah. someone to do. So what does the team look like today? Speaking with clients, basically, and negotiating with other agents and attending showings is probably the only three things that really we should be doing. Where, yeah. where you need to be focusing your efforts and time. Yeah, so what it looks like today is we both have full-time salaried people. We, they're separate. We, Sarah and I have separate businesses, but to get, like we do part together, part separate. So it's hard to understand, but uh, we all sit in the same office and we work collectively together, but we have, you know, she runs her assistant, how she wants to run them. I run mine, how I want to run hers. We have, we're different personalities and we work differently. So like I have a morning check-in, we have certain things we go through. We have weekly team meetings where we have certain things that they prep, the assistants prep everything. And we go over our goals, where we're at, certain clients we're focusing on. We're, we're pretty structured. I think that's another thing. People get into this business being like, oh, I have no schedule. I have no nothing. It's like, we're the opposite of that. Like, and we like that. We want things to be so ironed out, structured. We're on a schedule. Like I wake up, I know I look at my calendar and my full day is planned out. And I don't really think about what I'm doing. It's just like, go, go, go. I love it. So the team is the two of you with the two assistants or each you each have an assistant, correct? 
Correct. Correct. We have an assistant. And we are part of this, a little bit of a looser based team here at the agency because, again, we made a conscientious shift to break into some even higher price points than we've dealt with. And we wanted to be around another agent or another couple of agents that are doing those price points. Mm-hmm. And so it's very loose, though. It's a very non-traditional situation because everyone who's a member of this team is a mid-experienced, mid as you called us, to highly experienced agent. No one on this team is new. It's Everyone is very independent. Really, it's kind of more of a brain trust where we meet on a regular basis, share properties, have this internal movement. And then we have this one team leader who's one of the top agents in the country, who's incredible, who's there for guidance when we need them. But again, we're so independent. We know what we're doing. We very rarely call him, but when we need him, it's great to have him. Yeah. It's culture. That's, I mean, that's the culture that you described in the very beginning. So, so what's next? So what is next for you guys? I mean, what, what do you kind of see coming down the pike in, in terms of your real estate business? So obviously continue to elevate our current career and, you know, hit some big goals by the end of this year and in the next few years as well, always hitting higher goals. And then like Victoria touched on earlier, we are starting a digital course for, um, you know, it will definitely have sections for agents at any level, especially, you know, getting started or wanting to make a pivot into finding maybe a better team or better situation. What are the activities that you can be doing every day? to really ramp up your business. And then we will also, of course, do some higher level ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think this has been such an incredible business. I mean, it's changed both of our lives. I think as much as we both were very ambitious people who had big dreams, I think when things happen, you're like, wow, I can't believe I did that. And it's the most incredible feeling. And we see so many people who are new in this business who are trying to make that. And I believe anyone can do it. You know, like that's, that's really what's so incredible about this. And your career can look however you want it. That's what's also beautiful about this business. And we just, I want to give back. So many people helped me along the way. And I just want people to feel what it feels like to hit these amazing goals and be what that means for you and your family and the rest of your life. It's truly amazing. So the so the slowdown in 2022 has not impacted you guys. We yeah, saw, it definitely has. We saw a summer lull for sure, but we've also in the last two weeks seen things pick up immensely. And I think for us, like when COVID hit, we really took that as an opportunity to be like, we both are kind of the people where like something happens, like this is an opportunity. How can we restructure? And we're fortunate because our clients are some of the most successful people. They're super incredible in their own industries and their own businesses and watching them and getting to be side by side. We see that like, these are the people that take these as opportunities. And that's really what we've been trying to do. We switched companies. We, this was a big transition year for for us. So was it, was it different? A hundred percent. But I think we're looking at it and we're already seeing that it's going to ultimately be very positive for us. And we've really tried to just use this as an opportunity to be like, okay, where are there gaps? Where do we need to restructure? How can we pivot our business to what we want it to be? So yes, has it been a different market? A hundred percent. But ultimately, I think it's been really good for us. I I love what you just said. And that's a great way to kind of wrap this up too, is that you know, the, and there, there's quotes about this and this is facts. Like the, the most successful individuals and companies 
they actually find their success and the roadmap to their success in down times. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you end up ultimately doubling, tripling, quadrupling, because when you come out of it, you're positioned to win. And so for anybody listening to this, listen to what they just said. Like that, their, their response was not, you know, oh yeah, we're still killing it. It's like, no, we felt it, but we're doubling down, tripling down. We're figuring out where the opportunities are because there will be opportunities because so many of our, of, of our competitors, and this is every business, retreat when times get tough. And that's the last thing that you should actually be doing. It's painful, but that is where you will find that future success. I love that you guys said that. So let's end with this. Uh, talk about a little bit about that digital course. What does that look like? If somebody wants to learn more about it, where do they where do they find that? And what is the best way to connect with you both? I think both of us on Instagram, Victoria Velasquez, Sarah Knauer, it's just our full names. Our company is called Thrivey. We're in a really cool beta right now with our first group of students, I guess you would call them. So we'll be launching in the next probably six months. If you want to follow Thrivey on Instagram, that's T-H-R-I-V-I-I. -I. It'll be Thrivey.com. Say that one more time. T-H-R-I-V-I-I. -I. Got it. And it'll be .com, but you can follow it on Instagram. And you're both on Instagram individually as well, correct? Yeah. Awesome. And so if anybody wants to connect and just reach out, just shoot your DM. Yeah, just DM us. Perfect. Our Any... number is also everywhere too. Yeah. Feel free to call us. Perfect. Know. Perfect. Any parting thoughts? No, thank you so much for having us. And I know this has been a tough year for a lot of people. And I just want people to know, like when you listen to this, it, it can seem so easy. It's like we struggle too, but it's just like, get up, face the new day, like try again, like it will really pay off. And what I think is also so incredible about this business is one day your escrows can cancel. You can feel like you have nothing going on. And then the next day you get one great phone call or one good showing or you write one offer and the whole world can change. And that's just remember that that's could be today. Yeah. Don't pack it in. Keep grinding. You guys are both an inspiration. We really appreciate having you on. And uh, one of these times when I'm back out in LA and we're hosting an event, I will look you guys up. Have you come out and share it at yeah. an event? It was, uh, it's been great uh, getting to know you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Today's episode is brought to you by Chime. Chime offers an award-winning sales acceleration platform built for the real estate industry. Powered by artificial intelligence, Chime delivers the data insights agents and teams need to make the most out of the leads they already have and to get to a close faster. Through an expanding partner network, Chime's easy-to-use conversion platform also delivers quality sales-ready leads from the get-go. It eliminates time-consuming manual tasks and helps agents focus on what matters most, building their network, servicing clients, and growing the bottom line. To learn more about how Chime can help you, visit www.chime.me or call 833-682-4463. Agents Podcasts.